Casey. And I'm Emily. And you're listening to A Sprinkle of Sugar, A Dash of Murder, a true crime podcast with an element of baking. So, what are you baking this week, Casey? This week, I am baking Bright Day banana muffins because I think we all need to brighten our days a little more, with, um, especially after listening to this murder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, this is our party, right? Yes, part two of H.A. Tomes, Woo-hoo. the final part. Um, and just a little recap, we left off with um, A.J. Tomes had murdered Julia and her daughter Pearl and sold Julia's skeleton on Christmas Day um, or Christmas Eve. So, and then neighbors are starting to be like, where are they? And he's like, oh, they went to, she got married to someone else or went to go see family. And we're going to take it from there. Come back. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, it is now spring, 1892. And remember Benjamin Pitezel, who is kind of like his right-hand man, comes back in here. Was this a guy that, did he know about what was going on? Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. Okay. Um. He was in Dwight, Illinois, uh, for the Keeley Cure, which was this big fad at the time of that. It was an injection that could cure you of alcoholism. And it was, like, really popular, and people thought it worked, and maybe it did work. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it was really popular. So Holmes found out he was there in Dwight, Illinois, for this Keeley Cure. Cure. I can speak. <laughs> um And so he was like, hey, why don't you give me some info about this cure and how they label it and stuff so that he could, of course, mimic it and sell it for himself because he would do anything for money. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Pitezel told Holmes when they met up about a woman he met there who worked with the the Keeley cure named Emmeline Sigrand. Wow. So she will become his new fascination. Of course. I'm guessing she's blonde-haired, blue-eyed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <gasps> How did I know? Mm, it's almost like he has a type. <laughs> um, so Holmes wrote to Emmeline and offered her a job as his personal secretary, which was also, you know, his thing. I'll give you a job. Um, and he said he'll pay her double that she's making at Keeley. And she was like, oh, that sounds great. So she comes to Chicago. And they start courting, and she falls in love with him pretty quickly, and he's really, like, doting on her. Is that your alarm? Yes. Okay. Okay. Pause. Pause. (laughs) Okay. Oh. Okay, so Casey's back. She had to go check on her muffins. So, obviously, I lost my train of thought. Of course. (laughs) As I oh okay, so yeah, he was um, doting on her, and she quickly fall falls in love with him. And one day, this guy comes back, familiar face from part one. Is it Ned? It's Ned. Oh, <laughs> Sweet Ned. Oh no, Ned, stay away! You almost got away. <laughs> um. Well, Ned comes in the office, and he was. He's going to ask Holmes about the mortgage payments and stuff that he kind of just left and 
you know, when he left. And he meets Emmeline there. And he told her, I thought he was a bad lot and that she had better have little to do with him and get away with him, uh, get away from him as soon as possible. So he's warning her, like, there's something up with him. And she's like, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, and he doesn't get in touch with Holmes on his visit. Excuse me, that is another alarm. <laughs> All right. All right, so, um, wait, did you start? Yeah, it's going. Okay. So, I just have to say, I just ran to go get another alarm, and I just wiped out on my one voice. Like, it happened in slow motion. It was a oh, life flash before my eyes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yes. Okay, what a moment in time that I wish yeah, I, I wish I got it on this recording, but pause <laughs> it just in time. Okay. <sighs> All right. So back to our story. So Emmeline's relatives are from Lafayette, Indiana. I've been there. I know. I have family in that kind of area, <laughs> sort of. Um, they came to visit. And they were very charmed by Holmes, like everybody is mm-hmm. normally. And he told Emmeline and her family that he was the son of a lord in Europe to make himself sound so fancy. Why the heck would he go there? I don't know. <laughs> These lies. I. Ugh. Um, and when he finally asked Emmeline to marry him, which she did, he told her that they would honeymoon in Europe and they would go meet his father, the Lord. Wait, his father's the Lord? I was about to yell him. <laughs> so, Christmas, 1892, Emmeline starts giving gifts to neighbors, leaving hints that she's about to leave and go back to her family. And one neighbor said, oh, Mr. Holmes could never get on without you. And she said he could if he had to. So, do we not know what happened between the two of them? No. We don't know anything exactly, but from the neighbor's accounts, like, of what she said, they were, like, she was planning on leaving for some reason, and that she no longer thought he was amazing. Hmm. Um, And she was thinking about her conversation with Ned at this time, and was getting suspicious, I suppose, and... She was starting to tell people that she was going to go back to her job in Dwight, Illinois. And then after she told people that, her visits stopped and nobody saw her again. Um, And there was a woman named Mrs. Lawrence, who was her friend Mm -hmm. and a neighbor. Um, She asked Holmes where Emmeline was. And he said, she's gone away to get married. And Mrs. Lawrence said, I don't see why she didn't mention something to me about getting married. Right. And she's like, there's no way. We're good friends. No. And Holmes told her, oh, it was it was a secret. But Mrs. Lawrence was still suspicious, and she kept asking. And so Holmes made a wedding announcement and gave it to her and said, look, I got this in the mail from Emmeline. It's an announcement of her wedding. And she thought, no, this is very suspicious. And she kept asking questions, and she kept watching him. And she's, like, the first person to, like, keep really looking right. out. You know, there have been suspicious people, but she's, like, she pesters him, like, every day. I mean, if this is, like, one of her friends who they left 
on good terms, mm-hmm. why would she not invite her friend to the wedding? It just, right. It's just a stupid lie because why would she invite her ex lover husband? They didn't they, no, they didn't. They so, were engaged. Okay, so her ex lover, why would she invite him to the wedding but not invite her? And the, I mean, it's obvious that he's insinuating that she that she left him for right a man. Uh huh. Ah, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. That's uh, At least make your lies believable. I mean, I know. he's an artist. Come on. You can, you can think a little bit. Like a very sudden elopement is... Yeah. People who know her would, of course, be like, no. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Mrs. Lawrence said, she reported, the day after Miss Sigrin disappeared, or the day we last saw her, the door of Holmes's office was kept locked, and nobody went in except Holmes and Quinlan, which is another one of his buddies. About seven o'clock in the evening, Holmes came out of his office and asked two men who were living in the building if they would help him carry a trunk downstairs. So she really was watching. She was, she rep- recorded the time. It was seven o'clock when this trunk was delivered. Um, the trunk was new and about four feet long, and it looked like the way they were struggling with it, it was very heavy. Mm. So, Mrs. Lawrence is now convinced Holmes has killed Emmeline and that she was in the trunk, which she probably was. Mm-hmm. And the Seagrins, her family, received a trunk of, not that one. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. They received a trunk of her things, and she had mailed it to herself. So, it wasn't from Holmes. Oh. So, obviously, this is another flag that she was planning on coming home. Yeah. Um, and Peter Seagren, her father, said, I had at last come to the belief that she must have died in Europe, and her husband either did not know her address or neglected to notify us. So he thinks she's dead at this point, but that she had gone on that honeymoon to Europe. So like she, she had actually eloped with the guy. Yeah, that's what he believes. That is so bad. That's what, yeah, her family believes at this point. Um, so... An alias of Benjamin Patezel is Phelps, which was used to help, like, contact... Or, um, on the wedding announcement, it said she was married to someone whose last name was Phelps. Mm-hmm. And it was later found out that that is an alias for Holmes's friend, Benjamin Patezel. Oh. Yeah. So, obviously, the announcement was a fake. Mm-hmm. Um, but nobody knew that until much later. Um, and on January 2nd, 1893... Holmes hired Charles Chapel, his friend, the articulator, again, and sent him a trunk with the corpse of Emmeline with her upper body stripped of flesh. So he had done that post-mortem again. And a few weeks later, LaSalle Medical College of Chicago had a skeleton delivered to them, and it was Emmeline. Yeah. So, and obviously all of this is not, it's still that they find that out, that it was actually her, like, much later, but, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, And a footprint, uh, later when they start investigating the castle, they find a footprint that had become etched into the vault door, his soundproof vault that he has. It's about two feet off the floor. The toes and heel are very clearly outlined, and it's obviously a woman. And people in the investigation, they're like, how could a footprint become etched on this, like, 
heavy metal door. It doesn't make any sense. And their theory is that Holmes liked to make like these weird concoctions of like different kinds of acid and stuff. And it was a theory that he poured some acid on the floor that Emmeline had stepped in it and like put her foot on the door trying to kick it. And that's how like this weird concoction he made made the etching on the door. That's so messed up. Yeah. So bad for them. Like, it just really pisses me off because not only was Holmes a bad guy, but clearly the articulator was also a really bad guy because how that, even if he wasn't the one doing, committing the murders, how do you just receive somebody's body? Like, clearly they were mutilated. Yeah. And you were just like, yeah, this is normal. Let me just, like... It's know, so messed up. I know he probably sees some messed up things. Like, obviously, he has to, like, take the skeleton. So, like, obviously, he has to deal with the bodies a lot. But yeah, when you see something that messed up, like, he has to have some kind of respect for the human body to be doing a job like that. Right. Unless he was, like, also deranged. But, I don't know. That's just... I yeah. It's like me off because he just, like, let it happen. Her upper body flesh was, like, peeled off. Like, that's not an accident or anything like someone did that he did that obviously and then wait did like so then did later on did this articulator then go come forward and be like actually i know that holmes did this because he gave me bodies and i didn't tell anyone yeah well that's he does <laughs> like that's so dumb on his part because what is he i mean maybe he got caught and maybe he like he's like okay i'll tell you everything yeah maybe it's not like him just being like i have part of the story I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you're going to answer this. I questions. will. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm so glad. I think so. Okay. Um, so at this point, letters from parents about missing daughters, not just Emmeline and Julia, start coming in. And a lot of private detectives are coming into the castle and annoying homes. And creditors keep coming and, like, debtors. And Mrs. Lawrence is still accusing him. She's telling everyone she knows, like, he's bad news. So there's a lot of people. Because there are not just these women um, that we're talking about, but there are other disappearances within the castle that people mm-hmm. are coming and talking about. So still at this point, even with all the private detectives and everything, they all come not really accusing him of foul play. They're just asking, like, you have information of where these people went. Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, no, they're just passing by people. I don't know anything. Um, and in March 1893, he meets another woman named Minnie Williams. And she comes to Chicago. Um, he had met her before, years back, in Boston. And he was posing as Henry Gordon back then. And she had fallen in love with him and loved him all this time. And then she found out about the World's Fair and was like, well, I know he's there and I want to see the fair. So let's kill two birds with one stone and I'm going to go. And she came and got a job as a stenographer. And he offered her a job to be a stenographer for him. He's like, oh, come work for me. Um, Which is basically kind of like a secretary. Mm -hmm. And, um... He told her she had to call him Henry Howard Holmes now for business reasons. Oh. Like, yeah, uh, my real name is Harry Gordon, but I changed it for business. And she goes, oh, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. That's, I was wondering that because I'm like, how does she not just think that's suspicious? Yeah. She just is too trusting of a person, I suppose. Well, if you're in love with the guy. Yeah. Um, Love's blind. Oh. 
I wrote in my notes, Holmes asked Holmes to marry him. <laughs> he asked Minnie to marry him. I'm sure he asked himself a couple times. And so she said yes, and she wrote to her sister Anna about the engagement, and Anna did not think he was so great. Um, so she was kind of against this marriage, but she hadn't met him yet. So mid-March, Holmes gets a letter from Peter Seagrand, Emmeline's father, about his daughter. And again, Holmes tells him, uh, I got an invitation for her wedding, and that was all I heard. That's it. And Peter says, all right, well, let me know if you hear anything from her. Again. Yeah, poor guy. Um, what kind of father is, like, seems legit. I know. I, uh, I don't get it. Usually fathers, like, have more of a trust in their daughters. They're not, like, he must have just been so good at manipulating people. I just yeah, that's really, I think he, he was just so charming and stuff that nobody could fathom that this good-looking person would do that, or wealthy person, yeah. Um, so Holmes persuaded Minnie to transfer the deed. She was an heiress. And she inherited a lot of land in Fort Worth. Um, and she was pretty wealthy. And he persuaded her to transfer the deed of her land in Fort Worth to Alexander Bond, which was another alias of his. And I don't know what he told her precisely, but she agreed. And she was like, okay, whatever you say. And she did it in April 1893. So now he owns her land and it's quite a substantial amount. Um, and on, he also, at this time, established the Campbell Yates Manufacturing Company, which he built and told everyone, it's a firm that bought and sold everything. And actually, the company made and sold nothing. It was just a whole building and company um, that held assets. And, like, he used it as a reference for anyone who came um, and was skeptical of, like, his payments and mortgages and blah, blah, blah. And he just directed it all to this empty business that did nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he just keeps keeps persuading people to do things they shouldn't do. He meets a man named Henry Owens, and he convinces him to sign an affidavit swearing not only that he was a secretary of the company, but that he had bet, met both Yates and Campbell and that Yates had handed him the stock certificates of the company. So he pays someone to lie that he works there and that it's legit. It's so crazy. Like, this is obviously a shady thing, and people are just like, oh, okay, I'll do it. I just can't believe it. I can't. I really can't. I wonder if it's like, you know, I would never do this, but I just really need this. Like, I don't know. I don't know how. Yeah, I don't know how you get away with that. It's crazy. So, Holmes arranges his and Minnie's wedding very quickly and quietly because, of course, it's not going to be a legal wedding because mm-hmm. he's still married to his first wife, Clara, and he has his second wife, Murda, living somewhere else. And, of course, their marriage isn't legal. And then the other woman he killed. But, mm-hmm. yeah, so now there's Minnie. And funnily enough, of course, there is no record of their union in the marriage registry of Cook County. Well, of course. Of course. <laughs> but she thinks there is. Oh. Um, she doesn't know that it was, like, a sham wedding, of right, course. Right, right. 
So at this point, her sister Anna, who was suspicious of him, came to see the fair on their invitation, and she meets Holmes, um, and now his hotel is officially open. It's called the World Fair Hotel. And the hotel was just around Jackson Park, which is the location of the fair. And so the hotel was starting to fill up pretty quickly. Um, especially pretty single women, again. They want to check out, they hear about this wealthy doctor and his fancy hotel. They come to see the fair, and then they check into his hotel. And he particularly liked that. Sometimes he would even turn away, like, married couples and stuff. And he's like, oh, no, we're full. And then he would admit, like, single women. Wow. Yeah. That's so messed up. It is. It's really messed up. Um, so because all these nice, pretty women were coming and checking into the hotel, Holmes was like, well, I can't have Minnie around. Duh. That puts a damper on things. So he bought her a flat in on the north side of Chicago and put her there um, to live in, to get her out of the way. At least he didn't kill her. Because like, that's usually his go- Well, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> that's usually his go-to, though. It's usually it's like, all right, want her out of the way, I'll kill her. Yeah. Uh, well, for now, well, she should that's what it is. Yeah. Um, so guests started reporting, the hotel is super popular, always full, but guests started reporting of the smell of strange chemicals everywhere. The whole building had like a medicinal odor, but they all thought, oh, well, he's a pharmacist. There's a pharmacy downstairs below the hotel. That's probably what it is. And some people said it smelled like too much cleanser or it smelled of like uncombusted gases. Which would be him, obviously, using those gas chamber thing he has, like, hooked up. Um, So, yeah, people are, like, it's kind of a weird place, but it's so close to the fair, we're going to stay here anyway. Um, And then a waitress was reported missing from Holmes' restaurant, because she worked there. Mm -hmm. And then a stenographer named Jenny Thompson and another one named Evelyn Stewart, who was either a guest or a worker at the hotel, they both go missing. So all three of these women go missing. And then a male physician who rented a space in the castle also ended up disappearing. Because he was a physician. He might have been, like, a threat. Yeah, Yeah. competition. Um, So all these reports of missing people who suspiciously were in or around the hotel are going missing at this time. Um, And then... Little thing about him, which we kind of already covered, but just to reiterate, he Holmes was not one who liked to kill like face to face. He liked putting people in his vault um, that was soundproof and would conceal like their cries and screaming. And his kind of thing in his memoir, he liked knowing they were struggling in there, and he kind of just liked knowing that he had the power to stop if he could, and just liked knowing. He, like, got off on it. Disgusting. Um, When the hotel was full of guests, he would use quieter means to kill them than the vault. Mm -hmm. Like, he would just fill their room with gas in the middle of the night and let them die in their sleep. Or he would come into their room and press, like, chloroform to their faces. And they would either wake up, like, feeling pressure on their face, Mm -hmm. or they would just, like, keep sleeping and, like, they would die in their sleep. So it wasn't... It was just 
that he could. Like, they would sometimes they'd even be asleep while he was murdering them. And it, it was just literally that he could kill them. Oh my gosh. I just, I can't get over it because it's just nonstop. Yeah, you did this, and then I did this, this, this. Like, how are there not questions? I just don't understand how, yeah. how he's not getting arrested. It's super bizarre. So he would dispose of these bodies that are going missing from the hotel in his kiln that he had built in the basement, or he would dispose of them in pits of quicklime. And what's quick which? Lime? Let me look that up real quick. I thought I wrote it down, but I did not. Quicklime. It's a bunch of lime juice. Yeah, that must be it. Kills, yeah. That wouldn't be comfortable. So it's like a chemical compound like calcium oxide. Uh, I guess it's really good for like, I don't know. He would like put people in it. So I always pictured it like as I was making my notes and I kept saying quicklime, there were bodies in it. I always mm -hmm. pictured it of like this acid like yeah, thing. Right. Yeah. Um, and he was, he was big on, unlike some serial killers, he did not keep trophies. He was all for, like, I have to just, you know, like, some yeah. people want to take a totem of their victim or something. Mm -hmm. He was all for, everything must go, that sounds gross, but, like, the bodies, right. they, they gotta go. So he didn't ever keep anything except, like, if he, like, stole money from them and stuff. Yeah. Um, so Anna, Minnie's sister, is in town, like I said, and she was suspicious of him, but she was quickly won over by these grand tours that he was giving her of the fair and of the hotel, and she was just, like, dazzled, so she was like, oh, that's great, and Anna wrote of, she, so she sent a letter, and this is quoted from the letter, Sister, brother Harry, which would have been Holmes, mm -hmm. and myself will go to Milwaukee tomorrow and we'll go to Old Orchard Beach in Maine. We'll visit two weeks in Maine, then on to New York. Then we will sail for Germany by way of London or Paris. So she thinks he's offered her like this grand tour vacation with her sister. Right. And at this point, Holmes is like, let me, let me give you a tour of my hotel, just you and me. So Minnie, Minnie's not there, and he takes Anna to the, to the castle. And during this tour, Holmes asks Anna if she would walk into the vault for some paperwork. He's like, oh, can you go grab this for me real quick in there? And she's like, okay. And she goes in the vault, and he locks her in. The room is without any light, and he just sat outside on a chair listening to her as the room starts getting hotter and hotter and breathing is becoming more difficult for her. Um, and he said that he got off sexually by imagining what was happening and going through her brain while she was locked in there. And liked, he just liked to sit and listen through the gas pipe of so, what she was so like this is, saying. This is him remarking on that. Yeah, this is him writing about it in his memoir of wow. this incident. Yeah, that he... He just, this whole time she was locked in there, like, suffocating to death. Um, he was just listening to her, like, scream and, like, hey, can you open the door from the gas pipe? And he's, yeah, he's crazy. Disgusting. And I'm trying to think of what I would do 
like not make it a turn on. I know, like I I'm mean, my pants. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Like make it. I don't know. I would say <laughs> just make it like not like being tortured. Like yeah, we act like you like it. I don't know. That's gross. Ew, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of hard not to when you die. I know, but um, That's and this whole time she like probably enough. thinks it was an accident. Like, oh, he's not answering me. He, the door shut by accident. Like, wow. Yeah. Um, I didn't think of it like that. Yeah, like, I'm sure it's not really until much after she's been in there a while, it doesn't yeah. really occur to her that this is murder. Yeah. Um, so two days after that, he tells, or no, directly after her death, he tells Minnie, oh, why don't you come by and come see me and Anna at the hotel? And then two days later, he tells their landlord that he just bought this flat. They no longer need it. So I, w- I would like my money back. So obviously, he tells them that Minnie has decided to live at the hotel. But obviously, Minnie is gone. Right. Um, so a man named Cephas Humphrey, it's a weird name, um, came after dark to pick up a trunk and evidence later showed through an investigation that it was delivered to Charles Chapel again. That's the articulator. Yeah. Who's buying these skeletons and stuff. Um, he gave Benjamin Patezel, his other friend, he gave his wife Minnie's clothes, her hats, her shoes, um, and said they belonged to his cousin. And two trunks with the, Minnie's initials on it. He gave her all this stuff and was like, oh, it's my cousin. Like, just, okay. Okay. And then, not shortly after that, Holmes brought a young lady named Georgiana Yoke to the fair. He just moves on so quickly. He does. And that's another thing that people should be questioning. Like, right. wait, isn't he still... Like, wait, what did he say? Where did he say Minnie went? He hasn't said anything about oh. Minnie yet, really. Okay. Um, but yeah, people should, of course, like, he had supposedly just married this Minnie. Right. Um, and he told Georgiana that all of his family was dead except for an aunt in Africa. And that his uncle had died and left him a fortune and some property in Fort Worth. Which is Minnie's oh, property. Yeah. Um, and he married Georgiana under the name Henry Mansfield Howard. So oh, back to Henry Howard? Wait, that was a name, right? Um, he's going by like Henry Howard Holmes. And oh. so this name's a little different. Okay. Henry Mansfield Howard. And um so there is a record of that marriage, but it's only because it was like yeah, under this under, different yeah. name. Yeah. Um, and at this time, with all these people asking questions, and he finally decides, you know what, it's time to leave Chicago. So he sets fire to the top floor of his building for insurance money. Um, but the fire didn't burn as much as he thought. It was put out pretty quickly. So there was an investigator, um, and his name's F.G. Cowie, and he became very suspicious of this. And he starts an investigation. Good. Thank you, Effie. Yeah. Howie. That's his name? Cowie. Oh, Cowie. <laughs> um, Cowie. So, C- 
Howie advised some insurers, he's like, okay, he's going to come asking for the insurance money. And the claim was made to Hiram S. Campbell, which is another one of his aliases. Um, he's like, give him the money, but only if he comes in in person to get it. Mm-hmm. And that was his way he was going to, like, catch him. Um, and then, of course, he never shows up to get it because he's not He's not going to fake it. He's not going to get away with it if he goes. And then guardians of Minnie Williams had hired William Cap to look for Minnie and to protect her estate because she's an heiress. Yeah. No one's going to just turn a blind eye to a, a missing heiress, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so creditors had hired attorney George B. Chamberlain to investigate Holmes, too. So there's, like, multiple people coming for him for different charges and different reasons yeah. at this point, which is why he decides to leave Chicago. Um, and in the fall of 1893, Chamberlain contacted Holmes and requested he come to a meeting at his office, and Holmes actually agreed to this meeting. And he thinks it's just going to be between him and Chamberlain, but when he gets there, there are two dozen creditors, their attorneys, and a police officer. And they're all asking questions, like, they all want money from him. And when he, in this meeting, he cries and offers his deepest apologies and gave a bunch of stories. And they all believed him, except Chamberlain. And Cham- they were all going to let him walk and say, like, um, hello, he's, he's this good guy. And But Chamberlain, Chamberlain said, uh, no, he's playing every single one of you, you idiots. Yeah. And... Um, so as Chamberlain's trying to con- convince these creditors to not let it go and everything, Holmes fled the meeting and ran away. So he got away. What do you mean he fled? Like, his- How did he just leave the meeting? Was he just like, hey, I gotta go to the bathroom? And- I guess they asked him to step out into the hall while they were discussing, like, don't let him go. And he left. Oh. <laughs> like- yeah, like, it was their own stupid mistake to leave him alone. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, and so after he left, that's, that was the final straw, and they went to Fort Worth to take Minnie's property, like him and his wife, Georgiana. And he was going to sell some of it and build another castle on the rest of the land. Mm-hmm. And... But just before leaving Chicago with Georgiana, Holmes took out a life insurance policy on his good friend, Benjamin Patezel, from Fidelity Mutual in Philadelphia for $10,000. So, it's a little suspicious. Why would you do that to your good friend? And we'll find out why. But uh, Holmes, Georgiana, and the Patezels moved to Fort Worth and... Then they go to St. Louis, and then they go to Philadelphia, the whole time committing a bunch of fraud, like this trail of fraud throughout their travels. Mm -hmm. Uh, In Philadelphia, Holmes was caught faking the death of Benjamin Patezel for money. And they send a detective agency after him for doing this. Right, right. Um, they followed him to Burlington, Vermont, and then in Boston. And in Boston, they arrested him. 
and he confessed to the fraud and was taken to Philadelphia. So at this point, he's being arrested for insurance fraud, nothing else. Ah. Yeah. And then throughout that investigation, as that continues, they realize he had not faked the death of Benjamin Fetessel. He was actually dead. Oh, my gosh. He had killed his friend <gasps> for money. And Fetessel has five children, and three of them are missing. So at the point that they figured out this wasn't a faked death, this was a real death, they're, they're now saying, we have to find out where these three missing children are. Yeah. Um, so Frank Geyer was assigned to find the children, Alice, Nellie, and Howard. And they're all pretty young. Um, Geyer interviewed Holmes while he was in prison, and Holmes insisted he had last seen the Patezel children going to travel with Minnie Williams. Obviously, that's not true. Yes. She's dead. But nobody knows at this point that she's dead. So it could be plausible that these children are traveling with a Minnie Williams. But what about Benjamin? Like, what about his wife? Um, getting to that. <laughs> like, well, I don't know how she's not fighting for her kids. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's she's global woman. That's why. I guess so. Um, Holmes claimed that he had bought a cadaver that looked like Benjamin and he put it in the house that his body was discovered for fraud. Um, and he admitted making it look like the body looked like it was Patezel and that he had died in an explosion by pouring solvent on the body and setting it on fire and putting it in direct sunlight. I don't know why he would claim that this was not the body of Benjamin when it was. He set right. his friend on fire and murdered him. Which is just crazy. I guess he decided he didn't want to sound like that much of a murderer. Right. Weird. Um, and then Holmes went There's with... literally a child. What is happening outside right now? What's those lights? Is there a big truck, truck? And then there's like... The kids are just walking through my yard right now. This is literally directly outside. I'm so confused. I'm sorry. I just feel like we're going to watch a crime right now. <laughs> is the truck planning on turning or leaving? or Like, there's no... It's not like this truck can do a three-point turn out of this road or anything. And the kids are just shining their flashlights on the truck. I'm just so confused. Okay. Anyway, let's try to continue. I'll let you know if okay. I see any changes. Oh! <gasps> He's doing strobe on the truck. Okay, that wasn't even that interesting. It was just really intense. He put a strobe light on the truck. Like, this poor guy is just trying to live his life. Oh, I'm sorry. So, Carrie Patezel, who is the wife, is at home with her two remaining children who are not missing. And she's very sick. So Holmes offers to take care of everything for her. He goes, I'll go identify your husband's body. And to have a family member, I'll take Alice here with me, which is her daughter. Um, so Alice goes to identify the body with him. And Holmes then goes to St. Louis to see Carrie. And he persuades her to take Alice, who is 15, 
Nellie, who is 11, and Howard, 8, into his custody um, to take them to see their father, which he claims. And so I kind of told this out of order. My bad. Those are the three missing children who are missing oh. right now. Alice, Nellie, and Howard. So this is going okay. back to the story of how they got missing. Sorry. Oh, okay. I don't know why I wrote that, like, out of order, but I did. Um, so, yeah, that's how he initially kidnapped them. He said, I'm going to take the children with me to go identify their father's body. And, um, but he tells Carrie and the children he's not actually dead. He's in hiding. So we're going to go see him. So that's how he got the children. I said that really weird, but that's, right. that's what's going on. I Okay, so... So that's why she wasn't asking questions. Right. I see. He's telling her that her okay. husband's in hiding. He's not actually yeah. dead, but he for sure is. Yeah. Um, and so, but the investigator at this time finds Alice's letters of their travels. So he knows the children was with him, even though Combs is claiming in prison later that he mm -hmm. has never, he's not with the children. Minnie is. So Alice wrote of the whole thing as it was like kind of an adventure for her. She thought it was pretty fun at first. And she wrote to her mother, but Carrie, their mother, never got these letters. Holmes kept them in a box and they were found later mm -hmm. and during the investigation. So Holmes himself would write to Carrie and he told her they were in London with Minnie. And so Scotland Yard was contacted to find the children and Scotland Yard found no trace of them. They were never in London. He was lying to Carrie that they were in Europe. Um, so then in the letters, it looked, Alice writes that they were in Cincinnati. So they went to Cincinnati and checked in to the Atlantic house as Alex E. Cook and three children. So under an alias. Um, and so during the investigation, they found they checked into a series of other hotels in Cincinnati. They were just like jumping around so that they I weren't just, in one place. I just wonder why, what's his reasoning for taking the kids? I don't know. They know it's never really like, cause he, I don't know. It's never really discussed what the purpose of traveling with them was. If you wanted them gone, just get rid of them. Like take suspicions you know? off of him. Yeah. I don't know. But then they find records of Holmes renting a house in Indianapolis under the name A.C. Hayes and at the Hotel English under the name The Canning Children, which is Carrie's maiden name. Okay. So they're, like, tracing them throughout these cities <clears throat> under all these different aliases, but they're all kind of connected somehow yeah. in some way. At another hotel called The Circle Park, there was an entry for Georgia Howard, um, which would have been Georgiana Yoke, that she right. was writing it under that name, meaning Holmes was traveling somehow. There's, It's unclear how, but he was traveling with his wife and the children, but keeping them in separate hotels. So it's possible she doesn't even know that he's shuffling these children around. And it's super weird. Um at the same time, Carrie Patezel and her two other children, Desi and Wharton, checked into a hotel. And now the investigators are realizing Holmes was putting his wife, the three missing children, and Carrie and her two other children into 
three different hotels, three blocks from each other. So she's sick. Carrie is sick out of her mind, worrying about her three missing children who are in a hotel three blocks away from her. And that's I bet that's part of the reason why you know he yeah. likes to he likes to see people in torment. Yeah, I'm, and that's that might be what is really. I think, and the way he writes it in his memoir, uh, he was like amused. So I think it's it's like a game to him that he's controlling all these chess pieces, if you will, like just to see how he can control people and that's just crazy um so like i said all of this is coming to light as he's sitting in prison and investigation is going on so he is in moya mensing prison and he wrote of this experience the great humiliation of feeling that i am a prisoner is killing me far more than any other discomforts i have to endure like oh so sorry it's a discomfort to you, you piece of shit. Honestly, what the heck? Like, why do you have to even... Yeah. What a scumbag. Once again, word of the day, scumbag. I know. I think constantly, I think I've said... I mean, I've only said scumbag a couple times, but <laughs> how? I think that's like the half the words that are coming Yeah. Because I it's just true. don't get it. The way Georgiana, the kids... And Carrie and her two other kids had no idea that they were all traveling together. Like, I don't see how that's possible. But it was. Somehow, it was happening. He just is like a master manipulator. And his IQ must be insane. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he's in prison. And he becomes a model prisoner. And all of the guards there love him. Oh, of course they do. Right. And... He would hear in the news, like people, like the guards or whoever would bring him a newspaper in the morning. And he loved hearing about the investigation for the children because he thought it was so funny that they're looking everywhere for the kids and can't find them. And he, he, he's crazy. Um, and at this point is in prison when he starts his memoir, he starts writing his memoir. Um, and in prison, he sent a letter to Carrie insisting that he was innocent. He's like, you know, I wouldn't do this to your kids, knowing full well he did. Mm-hmm. He abducted them. And yeah. Um, and then in the investigation, Geyer found a house in Toronto that he was renting. So somehow they got to Canada at this point. And the tenant let them in and they found a trap door under the kitchen table of this house. And they found a cellar and started to dig. And they barely started digging before this incredibly horrible stench hits them. Yeah. And then at three feet into the cellar as they're digging, they find bones. Wow. And it's the children. Oh. The children. So actually, it's just Alice and Nellie at this point. So they haven't found the little boy Howard yet. But Alice and Nellie were under this trapdoor in the cellar. They were buried nude. Alice lay on her side. Nellie face down, and she was partially covering Alice. And Nellie's feet had been amputated. They didn't find her feet. What the um, heck? And they believe it's because she had a club foot. So he was trying to, like, oh. so they wouldn't identify that it was her. But they were still able to identify her. Yeah. But, yeah. It's so crazy. And the, a really sad thing, Mrs. Patezzo, Carrie Patezzo, found out about her children in the newspaper. <gasps> Nobody had told her at this point. Because 
the papers had written and published about it before the police were like authorized to tell her. Wow. Yeah, I, that would be so horrible to find out about that in the I'm paper. Reading it in the paper. Yeah. Um, so they found out later through investigation, um, Holmes had locked Alice and Nellie in a trunk and then filled that trunk through like a little like slot or something. Yeah. He had filled it with gas. So it was a, large enough to hold their bodies in, and he filled it with gas to, like, that's how he killed them. That's so sad. And when he was asked about it, he was like, oh, Minnie Williams must have killed the girls. It wasn't me. Minnie, who's dead. Yeah, okay. And, yeah. And at this point, they're like, no way. This woman either doesn't exist or has never been in the picture at all, because they still don't know Minnie's dead. And so they're convinced, like, no, it's you. Mm-hmm. Um, Geyer is still looking for Howard, the third missing child, potential child. Wait, okay, I know this is, like, kind of a stupid question. Mm-hmm. So Howard is obviously named after him. Um, right, possibly. Right? Isn't it, what, what's his name? He go, He went by Henry. Um, Henry Howard Holmes. Yeah. So he, he could be. I mean, and then him and depending Benjamin on were, like, really when good friends. he was born. Um, I think he's uh, about eight years old. I don't know if they've known each other that long at this point. But he built a whole hotel and yeah. all this happened. Maybe. He could be. I don't okay. know. Go on. I don't know for sure. But, yeah, so they, so as they're looking for Howard, they decide to finally investigate the castle on Friday, July 19th. Well. Yeah. Interesting. And in this investigation of the hotel, they found rooms with no windows Fitted with doors that were airtight, a walk-in vault that he had, the kiln, iron walls, gas, gas jets with a valve from Holmes's place. So finally, people are like, this is weird. This is messed up. People um, have obviously died here. Imagine, like, being all those people walking through there and just, like, realizing that mm-hmm. stuff has happened. Yeah. Like, but it's just messed up. In... In his office, they found a bank book belonging to Lucy Burbank with a balance of $23,000. So um, they assumed that was a woman who died um, and he stole money from her. In the hotel basement, they found a cavern of brick and timber measuring 50 by 165 feet. And in that, there was a vat of acid with eight ribs and a skull (gasps) on the bottom. Oh. Yeah. So, and there was mounds of quicklime all over the place, which again is some sort yeah. of like acid thing. Yeah. Um, they found a dissection table stained with blood, surgical tools, and charred high heel shoes. <gasps> oh. They found eighteen ribs from the torso of a child. Oh. Several vertebrae, a bone from a foot, a shoulder blade, and a hip socket in this basement as well. So this is like human remains from various people who were previously ask. unidentified who we wow. still don't know like the names because yeah. they were probably just random guests, you know? Um, there was clothing found from pits in pits of ash and quicklime, human hair clotted in the stove type stove pipe and two buried vaults again, full of quicklime and human remains. 
and the human remains in the vault were discovered to be Minnie and Anna Williams. Okay. The sisters. Okay. Um, they also in the found a chain that Holmes had given Minnie, which helped identify her as well. Um, police found another hidden chamber. This one at the cellar's southwest corner, led there by Charles Chapel, his friend, who wow. was the articulator. So at this point, he know Charles Chapel knows the castle's being investigated, and he's like, "I better say something now so I don't get in a ton of trouble." And right. we'll see him cooperating. So he leads them to there, and that's where they found three articulated skeletons and they had a fourth shipped in from a medical college so they they traced the records chapel told them where he sold the skeletons okay. so they retrieved the skeletons of like julia and oh, like everybody so that's okay. how they know they were dead because chapel fessed up and gave them the records of this purchase okay of skeleton so last episode i mentioned like well what if that skeleton's still floating around or whatever right so it's not it's not good. They were found. Be- good. They wouldn't have been found if Chapel didn't give them the records of where all these skeletons were. Right. Yeah. Good so thing he was cooperative. Yeah. Um, he might have gotten into it. The book that I was reading this from didn't really elaborate any more on him. He might have gotten into some trouble, but I don't think so. Not really. I'd be surprised if he didn't get into some, but I mean, I'm sure that since he cooperated and he came forward, that it yeah. was lessened. And he probably made like some sort of deal with them. Right. I'm guessing a deal for sure. Um, on Thursday, August 19th, the castle burnt down. They suspected it was arson, but there were no arrests and they never found out who did it. I like to think it was Ned coming back and setting the place on fire. Like, F you. <laughs> I love that. I just picture this squirrely little guy. I know. Like, <laughs> the angry it's, Ned. Oh, my gosh. That's so just cool. my imagination, but. I like that. I like that theory. Like, uh, so, Indianapolis indicted Holmes for the murder of Benjamin Patezel. Toronto indicted. I can speak. Uh, indicted him for the murders of Alice and Nellie. Um, but uh, he goes to trial officially for the murder of Patezel Benjamin. Okay. Um, and then at this time, I don't know how this is allowed, but it was allowed. He had finished writing his memoir in prison and they allowed him to sell it and publish it. So he's getting money for this memoir. But he sh- this should not be allowed. But whatever. Um... The Chicago Tribune said he is a prodigy of wickedness, a human demon, demon, a being so unthinkable that no novelist would dare to invent such a character. The story, too, tends to illustrate the end of this sentence. So when he says no novelist would dare to create such a character, it makes me think about, yeah, no, nobody would even put like create somebody like this because no matter how messed up they're trying to think, I don't think that they'd be like, yeah, no, this isn't... Be- I think they'd be like, no, he'd get yeah. caught by this point. Yeah. This isn't believable. Like, someone writing this would be like, no, this isn't real. Like, Yeah. But, ugh. I'd be right. like, oh, how did he not get caught? Like, I wouldn't even believe my own story, yeah. you know? Because mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just so crazy. I just don't get it. And, I mean, there's so many close calls. I don't understand. Yeah. 
So in the fall of 1895, Holmes finally stood trial in Philadelphia for the murder of Benjamin Patezel. There were 35 witnesses brought in, and the judge ruled that only things pertinent to Patezel would count. So they couldn't do any evidence of any of the other murders, even though everybody knew there were tons mm-hmm. more. They, the thing that was most solid and would stick would be Benjamin's murder. So that's what they did. I just have a quick question. Yeah. So what if they find all these bones, but like they, they don't have an ID, but like it's very clear that somebody did this. Like mm-hmm. they find the ribs and the acid, but like they can't ID the person. I I just... I can you still go to jail for killing someone that's unidentified? Like, I mean, I think, yeah, you you can, but I I don't know how that works though, because obviously I'm not an expert. Right, but I, know, I feel like I've heard of that talking before. out loud. Um, I don't know. I feel like I've heard that before, but it's like it's very it's obvious. Difficult, I would imagine when you find ribs in a thing of acid, like okay, you must have killed this guy. But what if like mm-hmm. he's like, no, I didn't. I mean, who is that person even? I mean, it's just I something with ribs, and I want to put. I don't even know. Yeah, I don't I even think know what you're that, in that case. You would almost have to have like a confession or something. Otherwise, I don't know how it would stick. It would just be. It would almost just be evidence. There's no, yeah. it's not, there's zero circumstantial. Oh, well, besides the fact that you found it in, the, yeah. in their hotel, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. So the jury found him guilty and they sentenced him to death by hanging. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but bef- while he's on like death row, he makes this grand long confession claiming to the deaths of 27 people. Some people he claimed to have murdered. This was like a largely false confession because some people he claimed to have murdered were actually alive when they were investigated. They were, I don't know. But nine were for sure confirmed. That was a loud whistle. I just like whistled through my (laughs) chain. That like hurt my ears. Oh my god. Okay. So the nine that were confirmed were Julia and Pearl, Connor, Emmeline mm-hmm. Zigran, the two William sisters, Minnie and Anna, Benjamin Patezel, and his three children. And at this point, Howard has finally been found. Oh, I was just yeah, about to ask. Dead. Um, his charred bones were found stuffed up a chimney. Um, and they found out he was killed first with cyanide and then to get rid of him he was shoved up the chimney and burned so do you think that it was um who do you think was killed first the the sisters or him i think oh i'm not sure i i think howard possibly because um no because he was traveling with the three... While they were doing all that traveling, he it was all three of the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. Possibly hmm. at the same time, maybe. Right. Like, I don't know who would have gone first. I'm not yeah. sure. Okay. I but, don't know yeah. if you knew that. No, I don't. I had to look up um, Howard's 
death separately because they it didn't even talk about them finding him in the book. So oh, I had to find I'm glad out. you mentioned that. Yeah, I was really curious. I was like, what about Howard? So I had to look that up separately. Mm-hmm. And that's what I found. So everyone knew that there were a vast amount of others killed other than these nine confirmed and the possible 27 in his confession. Some people were alive, you know, but Mm -hmm. people knew there had to have been a lot more. And at the most, this is considered probably an exaggeration, but at the most it's an estimated 200. That doesn't even surprise me though. Yeah. I mean, with just all the things they found and all the people going missing. And even before he even made the hotel, he was killing people. Yeah, exactly. Even in his childhood, wasn't weren't people like going missing like in his early teens? Yeah, and, and like stuff? when he was a little boy, the the friend who fell yeah. and died while they were playing, he possibly could have killed. You know, it's I wouldn't really I wouldn't up be surprised air, if it was that number. I mean yeah. just he went off. Yeah. It, it's really bizarre, and I will probably never know the exact right. number, but yeah. Um, so Holmes wrote, I am convinced that since my imprisonment, I have changed woefully and gruesomely from what I was formerly in feature and figure. My head and face are gradually assuming an elongated shape. I believe fully that I am growing to resemble the devil. That the similitude is almost completed. Which is just like, he's claiming he's changing into this monstrous looking form. Like, you're stupid. That's he's, just He's basically crazy. just saying, like, when I went into prison, I got uglier. Yeah. Like, I used to be very handsome, and now I'm not very good looking. Right. Like, you're stupid. I must be becoming the devil. No, you're just getting older, man. Yeah. <laughs> And another thing he said that was super dramatic, (laughs) I was born with the devil in me. I could not help the fact that I was a murderer. No more than a poet can help the inspiration to sing. I was born with the evil one standing as my sponsor beside the bed where I was ushered into the world and has been with me ever since. Okay. What do you think on that? (laughs) Do you think that he could have, like, that he was born with it? Or do you think that... It was just his childhood experiences. It's that famous nature versus nurture argument Mm -hmm. that I, he grew up pretty much in a bad household, you know, Mm -hmm. but I, I do think for you to be that messed up, especially from an early age, I think it's just, I do think there has to be a part of you that's just born that way. I don't. Right. Because I feel like. A lot of time when you grow up in a messed out up home and you become, you know, just messed up from it, it's it's almost in your behavior too, you know, yeah. you're just, you're abnormal and you're just not, but, <laughs> and and you know, you don't really understand that, that at least this is how I, I think of it, like, mm-hmm. you don't really understand, like, how the world should work or how things really should be, mm-hmm. you know, you might say things inappropriately and doesn't sound like he really did this that at all yeah i mean it almost he knows what is appropriate and he knows obviously he knows killing isn't okay and yeah and everything so i think he's almost right in that it was a little bit of his nature too he just was born a psychopath yeah um 
this is, um, I'll post a picture on Instagram, but this is him, by the way, per Casey. What? He's like, I guess that's like the only picture of him. I mean, if you're into mustaches. <laughs> I know, but I, I guess he was just, he was considered super handsome, but. Huh. Yeah. Let me, let me look at them. I don't know. I guess so. If I'm going to describe him. His ears aren't anything to write home about. <laughs> um, I guess I they were, but he's got kind of droopy eyes. Yeah, he's got a very full face. So when he says that his face elongated, he probably just lost weight. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he had a nice smile. <laughs> I don't know, and his his ears almost look elf like. <laughs> They really stick out. Yeah. I don't know. That's a face I could punch. <laughs> That's a face I could punch. Yeah, probably. I wouldn't feel bad about it. <laughs> um, so on May 7th, 1896. Oh, there's more. Oh, yeah. <gasps> um, just a little bit. After a breakfast of boiled eggs, dry toast, and coffee, Holmes was escorted to the gallows and... So now it's his last meal, which is pretty bland if you ask me. What was it again? I'm sorry. Boiled eggs, dry toast, and coffee. That is so ill. This is your final you meal. Know, he is a psychopath. <laughs> dry toast? Yeah. No butter? Like who? I mean, come on. He had to have it's some the kind worst of crime yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. Dry toast. He's, yeah. he's a psychopath for sure. If we were ever questioning it, that dry toast thing just really put the, him over the, the edge. Nail in the coffin. Yeah. <laughs> 200 um, coffins. Yeah. Gosh. So, for someone who was careless and just disposed of bodies left and right, he was afraid someone would steal his body. So, his instructions were <laughs> to fill a coffin with cement, then they placed Holmes's body inside and covered it with more cement. The next day, they opened a double grave and filled that with cement and put the coffin in. So he is like three layers of cement, like to make sure nobody breaks in and takes his body. Like, okay. Is he still there? Um, yeah. And he refused to let, it also in his instructions, um, they wanted, a lot of doctors wanted his brain and stuff yeah. for science, and he refused to let him, or, yeah, he refused to let anybody, like, touch his body or anything for science. He was like, no, <sighs> which is why he was afraid people would dig him up later to take his brain or something, so that's why he had all the cement instructions, so. You know what? F that. Yeah. Like, he really, sh he honestly should not have any... You don't instructions. get privileges. Right. So, exactly. Yeah. Like, I mean, they legally have he, to, but. It's just ridiculous because after he mutilated so many people, they couldn't decide. It's not like they could say, hey, could you actually not cut off my feet? Right. Yeah. Like, no, he wouldn't listen to that. He'd enjoy it. That's so screwed up. Yeah. Like, you know what? He just, he doesn't deserve that. I wonder if the cement preserved his body. And I wonder, like, I don't know. if they were to, like, Maybe not even, like, there's some machines that you can use to, like, detect human bodies. Like, I wonder if they can see if he still has his skin on him and stuff. Yeah. Hold on. I'm going to look it up right now if cement can preserve your body. Because now I'm curious. I know that, like, 
Well, no, the FBI looking at my Google right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, your your secret agent is like, okay, Emily. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so it says Google says um, <laughs> very reliable. Yes, anaerobic anaerobic bacteria assist in decomp. If encased in cement, the body will likely decompose at a much slower rate as the aerobic bacteria will be rendered useless and the body will be protected from the environment, Mm -hmm. but the cement will not preserve it indefinitely. So it might have been a long time, but it's probably decomposed by by now. now. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's just. That would just be really interesting to to see just scientifically. Yeah. I don't know. So one, my last thing for H.H. Holmes, Mm -hmm. um, kind of almost paranormal, like, (gasps) after his death. So strange things started to happen to a number of people after his death. The detective who got him put in jail, Detective Goyer, got very ill. The warden at Moya Memsing Prison committed suicide. Um, the jury foreman was electrocuted in a freak accident. The priest who delivered Holmes's last rites was found dead on the grounds of the church on mysterious circumstances. Emmeline Sigran's father was burned in a boiler explosion, <gasps> and a fire destroyed the DA office leaving only a photograph of Holmes unscathed. Everything else in the building burnt except this photograph of him. That is insane. Yeah. Like, I don't know how much paranormal stuff I believe, but, like, that's a lot of weird things, especially the picture to me. What about about the fact, like, I definitely believe in some sort of, like, demons. Like, what about the fact that he was, like, a demon in human form? Yeah, and that's what he said. And he even said said that. He was turning into some demon. And then all these, I mean, the priest, they never found out what happened to that priest. Right. He was just found dead on the, like, that's crazy. That is insane. That's a lot of people in a lot of different situations. And this all happened, like, after his death pretty quickly. And that would, I mean, like, just to go off on a limb, like, that would explain everything, like, why he was able to get away with things, because he had another hand in it, like, Satan, theoretically. Yeah, I mean. And then that would also explain, like, just his need for torture and and mm-hmm. wanting to kill so many people and why he was so suave while doing it, because he just was... That's it, crazy. Yeah. That is like that. Literally, is just the cherry on top. I'm not. I mean, this is also horrible and sad. So I mean, no, like, I, I know what you mean. Not anything I baked, obviously. I <laughs> cherry, but um, oh my god, that's yeah. just crazy. My it's mind is super, so blown right now. Super bizarre, but and that is the end of H. H. Holmes. Oh, and one last thing. Um, the building in Chicago mm-hmm. where the castle once stood, obviously mm-hmm. it burnt to the ground, but the, it is now a post office. Mm-hmm. So you can go m- mail your mail in there. I wonder if it's haunted. I know people actually, I like looked it up and people actually go and like have like paranormal investigations or they just go to just be like, mm-hmm. I'm on the grounds and where the world's the fair hotel was. Yeah. yeah. And, um, hmm. yeah, that's crazy. 
Wow, this was a good one, Emily. This was really good. Yeah. H.H. Holmes was really messed up. He's really crazy. And it's crazy to me that he's not like a household name because right. of that. So um, say again the book that you got all this information from. Or oh, most yeah. this information from. So the book is called The Devil in the White City. And it's a nonfiction book that goes back and forth between the story of H.H. Holmes and the story of um, the architect who created the World's Fair in Chicago. And there's a lot of really good information about the World's Fair, but obviously that wasn't, I didn't put any of that stuff in. But if you're fascinated to know, it's really cool. The first Ferris wheel ever was built there. A lot of inventions we use every day premiered at this fair. So it's really interesting. Right. So a lot more happened than just people disappearing. Yeah. It was a really big thing and for America at the of time. Of course, there's a lot more quotes and a lot more information on homes in this book, too, that I just, like, didn't fit in here. Yeah, so. I mean, how much can you really cover? Yeah, but it's a good book. I would recommend it. All right. Yeah. All right, so um, we're going to go have some of my Bright Day Banana Muffins. Yes. I don't know necessarily who um, it's originally from because... The cookbook I got it from actually has me as yeah, the, your name is in the yeah, cookbook. Yeah, my name as the people the person that gave the recipe. But it's my church cookbook that I gave when I was I gave that recipe when I was like seven years old. So Did you really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that cookbook's old. So um You made that recipe at seven years old? No, well no. So I had the recipe, and I really liked it. I don't know where it originally came from, but uh, then I ended up, um, my grandma put the the recipe in the book and put my name under it. Oh, so okay, okay. It was something I always liked to bake with my grandma. Oh, so, yeah. I was like, wow, you baking prodigy. I know, right? No, absolutely <laughs> not. But, um... Yeah, so my bright day banana muffins. Obviously, there's banana in them. It's only one banana. But the banana that I always use them when they are um, have a little bit of brown on them. You want a really ripe banana. Um, just because they're more, I feel like they're more fragrant. That's that's yeah. the word for smell, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. And flavorful. They just, it's, um, they taste a lot better. So if you have, that's, and it, it works out really well if you have a banana that like, you got bananas and they turn brown too quickly you can just make muffins out of them mm. so yeah. Uh, yeah let's go have some muffins yes